Well, all right. I guess it's uh, time for episode five. A ramble. And you may be wondering why I changed the theme song. Well, the last guest, he um, roasted my theme song. So I'm trying something a little new, something something more modern. I don't know, a little more chill, something... uh, Something modeled after what the uh, the kids are playing right now at KXLU in Loyola Marymount University. It's a it's a nice little college in West LA, and um, everyone's really monotone. So I'm gonna try this out for a little bit, get the groove going. Yeah, I like it. I could feel this energy. Okay, wonderful. And I got a really special guest today. Her name is Dinah Leffert. Dinah, right? It's not Dina, right? It's Dinah. You nailed it. It's Dinah. Okay, good. Okay, I was really hoping it was Dinah. Not that I hate Dina or something, or I knew somebody named Dina or whatever like that. I just prefer Dinah. It's just, uh, it's nice. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not, and it reminds me of that chicken joint. Yes. On Sepulveda. I've never eaten there, but I've driven by it a million times. Don't do it. The one to go to is the original in Burbank. Oh, the Dinah's Chicken in Burbank is, it is, I can't believe it's not more famous. Oh, I see. It's so good. I tried the one on Sepulveda and then I didn't, I never wanted to try it again because I thought it was a really bad misuse of my name because the chicken was just really bland and I just, it was painful. So I didn't try it again until this like last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's really really good Dinah's chicken plug right there I should get we should get some free chicken yeah a little fried chicken for the show (laughs) I like your intro music it sounds like the a little bit uh hipper than the acupuncture music that they were playing for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funny because like uh I don't know I think it was six months ago I want to say I don't know but uh whatever the second spike was and everything was like really scary and there was always like like uh you know Every radio station you turn to was like, and the cases are up to this, the ICUs and the blah, blah, blah. You know, I finally changed the station and it was, it was the KXLU. It's the college radio station. And it was like the party never stopped. It was just like <laughs> nonstop ass pounding bass and shit. And I'm like, wow, this is, these guys are just going off right now. And I was like, there's gotta be a commercial a break or something. There was nothing. It was just nonstop for my whole freaking drive. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. And then finally, somebody comes on, you know, like probably like 25 minutes later. And it's like this kid, 20 year old kid, the DJ student there. And uh, of course, super, you know, super monotone. I couldn't figure out, like, is the person trying to act super cool, like above it all? Or (laughs) is it like they're still, you know, they're 20, 21. They're still kind of hatching out of their shell personality wise. Uh I was just trying to figure out like, what was it? But it was just like, dude, a fucking bomb can go off like a, like a nuclear bomb. And like, it's come to my attention (laughs) that a bomb has gone off. So I have eight consecutive (laughs) tracks of ass pounding bass for you bitches. You know what I mean? Like, yep. There's no, there's no commercials when you're on MDMA or whatever. (laughs) It's ecstasy if you're from the nineties. Yeah. Speaking of nineties, my last podcast, I had Skylar Stone, who was a Gen Xer. Are, Are you in the Gen X category? I'm a proud Gen Xer. And I say proud because we're a cool bunch. Like we really are. And we had the nineties. Like I, I personally helped hip hop. Like I have a personal contribution to hip hop. And that's because I went to high school and became friends with Tupac Shakur. Oh, no shit. Yes. He transferred to Tamil Pius High School in Mill Valley in October of 89 when I I was there at the same time. Um, He was, he's a couple years older and I was more his sister's age. And I had a boyfriend at the time. So um, Tupac was like always platonic and he was always a friend. And he, he was like, Dinah, why won't no girl's go out with me. And I was like, Tupac, you got to change your clothes. Like you have to change your clothes. <laughs> what was like, he dressing like? <laughs> I have a, I have a picture. I actually talked to a hip hop historian and he found a picture of me, like kind of close to Tupac, like where I'm not facing him, but you can kind of see my profile and you can see what he's wearing. And, but before he found that he, I described it 
accurately, which was he had a pair of jeans and he had a jean jacket and we knew it was the same ah. pair of jeans and jean jacket because he had graffitied all over it. Ah, double denim. The double denim. And so, and he had like a high top fade. One side was bleached out. Um, you know, it was, and maybe like some of those, uh, Timberland boots and, uh, it was just real basic and everyone knew like he was really talented. I mean, he was in, he took our school by storm, not just with his raps after poetry, he would have a new rap and then he would, people would run and be like Tupac's about to rap on the front lawn and people would come running. But then oh, wow. he was in drama and he did the bore by Chekhov, I believe is the, the bore. And it was like the, yo, he can act too like wow. he was he, he could spit rhymes and shakespeare no shit what, was he any movies i i can't remember yes he was in a bunch of movies like um the last contact i had with him was just before he did juice and he and i did juice i did go try to find him in oakland because i had i was staying there with a friend of mine after we graduated and Every time there was like, oh, there's a Tupac sighting. We should go find him. But um, he came back when I was in Marin City with some friends and he came rolling up in his town car and we smoked blunts with him. I mean, I, I've smoked countless blunts with him. That is so cool. Wow. But, you know, I never thought we never thought he was going to get that famous. But I mean, I was right. I was one of the people contacted when his first two CDs dropped. And I remember running all the way to the wharf, Fisherman's Wharf, to the tower records that was there and i was like i found it and i was just like oh my god he did it he did it yeah but yeah there's lots to that story but because i helped him change his clothes he got also um with my best friend kasima nez who was his girlfriend he basically she was the jada pinkett of the west coast she was this beautiful mixed girl that was really like for him that was the prettiest girl in the school and um because he, it's, oh, so, okay, two things happened. Um, the drama department, I had told them that he's dropping out of the next play, which was Antigone, because he went to go get a job so he could earn money to buy clothes so that he could get a girlfriend. And so the drama, I got, the drama department got, <laughs> like, not pissed at me, but they were like, you need to be the one to go talk him back into being in this play. Oh. And I was the person who had talked him out of being in the play. And so I was, had this impossible mission and then it, just, it didn't work out for drama department, but he, it worked out for him because he ended up taking her to junior prom and she's shown me at our high school reunion, a stack of about 20 letters from Tupac Shakur. Wow. That is amazing. So yeah, it's wild, but I, that's what I'm saying. Like kind of like jokingly that I contributed to hip hop because I helped Tupac get a girl and change his clothes. Yeah. I enjoyed the nineties. I mean, I loved, uh, Growing up, you know, 80s, 90s, whatnot, but um, gang banging was a huge thing back then. I remember almost getting shot by some freak that hopped out of a car, flashed his gun, and we're like sitting there going like, holy fuck, we're like 13 years old or whatever. And we're just like, this is it. Uh-oh, I can't believe it. This is actually it. We're like looking for like outlets. Like, do we dive underneath this car or something? But he's just like, where's you from, fool? And like, we're like, uh, fucking here. I don't know. Like, we, we didn't know what to say. And he just hopped back in the car. But, you know, that was like pretty fucking insane. <laughs> Let's call it a 90s near-death experience. Yeah, a Pellets. 90s near-death experience. There were, there were gangs. <laughs> but he let you know you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, I, I would think growing up now would be better than the nineties. Cause the nineties were pretty rough. I don't know. Like you have homelessness now. That's a big deal. But it was like, you know, back then it was like, you turn a corner and you, you could fucking die. I mean, that was that. Oh yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways there's um, like, okay, change. And this is your fifth, this is number five podcast, right? Yes. In numerology, five is change. I was like, perfect. That's me. I'm like in full change. Like, unless you're always, if you're not resisting change, you're always, um, you can just keep going with the flow. But change, like if you try to change something, it becomes the next problem. So we have, we have fixed certain things, but they became a bigger problem. 
And so there's some things where we're safer and there's some things where it's like, you know, because of the internet, it used to be, I I didn't know all of these things that were happening that were so horrendous in the world. Like that, it was God's mercy that you didn't have any clue how horrendously evil human beings could be. Mm. But now we have the internet, we know everything, you know, pedophilia and all that shit didn't just start now. Right. But it gave access to, um, people to do a lot of nefarious things that they wouldn't have access to before. But also at the same time, you have task force that can use the internet to catch them. So it's like, in a way, it became a bigger problem, but a bigger way to, mm. a bigger solution. So I'm just like using that as an example. But to me, it's not a safer world at all because people are less, um, I'm, I'm not like religious, but I, but in a way I, I am because like those core beliefs and values, um, and believe me, like I've spent years with like, uh, like being agnostic or atheist or like, I've come to this conclusion that it's, even if God isn't real, it's the people that actually do believe have a better character. They have light in their eyes. They have, um, they have boundaries. They have, um, you know, like they have demystified uh, how life works. Like, hey, if you do this and you're out of your integrity and they call it, they might call it sin or they, you know, you might not be uh, into that. So other people in other seminars might call that you're out of integrity or you're another religion calls it ethics, but it's all the same. It's all the same thing. It's mm-hmm. um if you're, we're living in a world now where there a lot of those ethics are thrown out. It's become this like amoral society, uh-huh. and that's not good. That's not good because even though Anne Frank, the message of her book was that people are really good at heart. Um, that's a child's innocent perspective. Mm-hmm. When in reality, um, doctors of veterans are saying like it's PTSD is much worsened by the naivete of the soldier, like watching all these propaganda films and thinking that they're going to be a big hero. And then they're actually like killing civilians and all seeing all these horrendous things that they're not prepared to come back into civilized, you know, be a citizen. Mm-hmm. And so what I got from that was like, okay, they're saying that naivete makes PTSD worse. So it's better to know the truth about people. So what I'm saying is people are actually it's important for people to know that people are actually not good at heart. You are, you might be, but in general, it's, it's not also good to think everyone's out to get you either, but it's a fine balance of not just, I'm an, I've been a naive person my whole life. So to me, this is groundbreaking. Like, (laughs) uh, you know, I've really was a, people are good at heart person, but I think it's way better to know that, um, evil lurks, there is such a thing. And if you don't believe in God, that's fine. But yeah. people do believe in Satan. <laughs> so right, right. you need to choose <laughs> at um, some point. The satanic temp, uh, church or whatever is more like a joke. They kind of use it to troll. I don't even, I don't even necessarily mean them. Like right, 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 right. they might even be better people than I. Yeah. But like, yeah, like actual, like the Richard Ramirez right. of the world, like those motherfuckers that are actually like scrawling fucking in blood. And yeah, that's, that's a little different. Those are the people of the satanic church. Those guys are just, you know, they're just trolls and they're, they're just trolling the religious people. But, um, the interesting thing about now and religion, I'm not a religious person either, even though I was, I was baptized Catholic in Argentina and I like, you know, certain aspects of it, but you know, like, like the whole thing, I always, I always kind of rejected. And of course, obviously the bullshit that happened with the pedophilia and all that stuff, that is absolutely fucking atrocious. Of course, but it's not the entirety of the religion. I'm Jewish, but I, I was sent to a Catholic school because I grew up, I was growing up in New Mexico originally, like that's where I was born. And, um, you had to go to a private school because of the public schools I was getting, I had to, there, I was getting chased and beat up by cholos with nunchucks. Like it's Albuquerque, you know? Oh shit. That's a fucking wild west over there, huh? Oh yeah. It's a wild, especially back then. Like it was the wild, wild west. So I had a Catholic education. I also was traumatized there. They told me I was damned for hell. My parents didn't love me because I wasn't baptized, but I also was told not to tell anybody at that school that I was Jewish. So it was a warped, I had a warped like thinking of like myself. And wow. so, um, but I've, I, now my, my fiance is also, um, a comedian I'm in a, he's native American and he's Christian. So 
he's really helped me because for one thing, he's Christian, not like his family, like they're Lakota and they've been Christian since before America was America. Cause I used, they used to trade fur with the uh-huh. French. So okay. they were already like, he, he, he's a direct descendant of, um, Sitting Bolt's right hand Lieutenant, uh, Chief Gall. And if you see Chief Gall, he's in, he's in his authentic, he's in his like traditional tribal wear, but he's also wearing a cross. Oh, wow. And so, and stuff. So anyways, I'm rambling. Maybe I had too much coffee. Hi. (laughs) That's a a good ramble right there. I just wanted to pivot back a little bit about a spirituality thing that we were talking about and how it relates to our current period right now in 2021. Yeah. I'm noticing that there's, there's not a lot of uh, forgiveness and redemption going on, which is something that uh, is kind of preached in, you know, in, in religion. It's one of those things where like you do, you do, you make a mistake, pay the price, but you're not like gone for like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's something that's (laughs) like you're forgiven, but like, that's not something that's vibing nowadays where it's like, you know, like there's the angry mobs of on Twitter saying like cancel culture needs Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) They can use a little Jesus. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I'm telling you, like at this point, I'm convinced that our Jewish Messiah already came um, in Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And if, and it's in our, actually our own old Jewish, like it's Isaiah 53. It describes perfectly, like it's, it could be no other person. So any Jewish person that's listening to us probably wants to like, um, punch me through the airwaves, but <laughs> it's, it's, um, there's also a ren- a Renaissance happening in Israel and you can go on to one for Israel and watch all these videos and it's just like Jewish people basically coming to like having either had a supernatural experience or having never been offered to read any of these things. And so there's a Renaissance happening in Israel and on the reservation and wherever else, because the teaching, the teaching of Christ is so it transcends all this time. And the basic message is forgiveness. Yeah. And every and everyone needs it. Like if you don't have the ability to forgive, that is the that is top tier mental illness. Right, right. Like my sister, I'm not naming any names because I have more than one, but she doesn't she won't forgive my mom. Ah. And and so I basically said to her, You're you won't forgive her for something she did in the nineteen eighties. Do you understand that that right there is mental illness? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. If you're, you, if you can't forgive somebody who gave you life and for something she did, who she's not even that person anymore. Sure. Right. People change. And, That's it's a, it, um, I, I'm not the same person I was when I was 18. You know what I mean? Like, like I wasn't the same person when I was in the nineties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's come so on, you, like it's it's just like you got to look at all the circumstance. I'm a bigger picture person. It's like what was right. happening, yeah. you know? All the, everybody was getting divorced. It's like you know. Yeah, the context. Um, the so, context. Yeah. So I definitely want to. You you touched on the uh, the Native American thing here, and and I wanted to go back to it because I thought it was really interesting that that your fiance is Native American, and you went to protest the. Dakota Access Pipeline, right? The construction? Yes. Yes. And I went to protest and I became a water protector. So they don't even call themselves protesters. They, they, it once you, and so it was not just one time. We went from August, uh, September, October, and then came back in December. And I saw, I, I, I mean, I could take you to the whole thing, but it, it went from just camp where it's mostly native and people are indigenous people are coming from around the world and, and allies, um, of different races, but cut to December. Um, so fiance is J.R. Redwater and he's a veteran. Uh And so when uh, in August, he said, um, I really want to have, veterans come here. We need veterans here. That's who's going to help us because these, these corrupt cops and not just the police from Morton County, but the paid, what are they called? Missionaries? Oh, like, mercenary? Like they, these, these guys are of no branch of any, 
of just like what happened in Portland. All of a sudden it was like Trump was set, oh, the, sending out goons, like non-uniformed okay, people. So the first time that happened, yeah. that's why I say that uh, this revolution that happened started at Standing Rock. That is totally unconstitutional. Yeah. And, y- yeah, know, it, and is. it breaks it breaks treaties, it breaks all kinds of things like that are happening there. So um yeah, we uh there's so many highlights of that happened there that were incredible and totally changed my life. And um and so JR and I were not we weren't even a couple before but is that where you met him at the no 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 he's okay. a comedian so we met oh. we met in um at the flappers comedy club where we were both on the same show and because oh. i'm because i'm from new mexico i had this joke about like my first love was a native american indian boys to come to the like i grew up on the periphery of a, a navajo reservation and so this boy used to come to the fence and like we were in love and like one day he brought me a ring that had been in his family for eight generations it was a zuni ring and then he gave it to me and then like two days later him and his mom came and knocked on our door and asked for it back there should be a name for that <laughs> okay so that's when yeah. he first saw me and and so it's like he's like let me talk to you about that joke like just yeah, kind sure. of needling me you know and so, but he, but he loved it. He wasn't mad at me at all. Like, in fact, I've told that joke in front of a hundred percent native audience. Okay, cool. And so it's not, you know, like there's definitely times where if it's just one native person and then it's like all white people in an the audience there, it's probably going to be upsetting. Yeah. And I may, I might not even tell that joke anymore. It's like cancel culture. Like people are going to find a reason for, you know, it's just not appropriate anymore, but whatever. So that's the joke that actually brought us together. Uh-huh. And just because JR was the only other person that I knew yeah. that that was reposting my stuff about Standing Rock and I was reposting his and he's from there. He's a hundred percent Lakota Sioux. He was born in at Standing Rock. Like that was right. those, it's like his see, like, land. Yeah. It's his land. It's like his cousins were getting shot up. And um wow. so he um in his culture comedians are, um, they're revered, you know, it's not just like, Hey, you know, they're Hayokas and they're, it's kind of like a medicine man, but like in a, in a comedic way, you know, it's like Hayokas, like, like laughter is really the best medicine. It's just like in their language. And so we would go from camp to camp, different tribes. I mean, there's 546 federally recognized tribes in America Uh and most of those tribes showed up. So wow. we were going from camp to camp and man, we were just making friends with people because he, and learning about their tribe. Oh, that's cool. And, that's making, cool. and, and he was making them laugh, you know, and it was just like this proper education. So like there was one camp that we went to and, uh, I, I grabbed, um, a bottle of water cause I was thirsty. And then I sat down and this lady came up to me and she goes in our tribe, the man gets like, if you, you wouldn't just grab the water for yourself. Like you first give one to your man. So go give one to your man. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went and gave it to him and then, um, and then I got mine and I was like, okay, schooled. And so when we left, I was, I told, I told him what she said and he goes, well, don't worry, honey. In my, in my, in my tribe, the women come first. We serve the women first. And I was like, Oh, Oh, so I'm in a, a group text with a bunch of guys. Uh, we're, we're sports fanatics and, um, it's a great, it's like a safe space for us to like vent about, uh, how bad our teens are doing and all this stuff. And the, it was, it was interesting. Somebody shared a article about how the Cleveland Indians were changing their name. They were, they were no longer going to be known as the Cleveland Indians And I remember a lot of guys were voicing their displeasure with it. And I was actually for it. I was not poking fun of this thing. I thought, you know what? It's time because this word Indian was basically a slur from when the English came over and they're like, oh, they're dark like the Indian people from India. You know, it was completely demeaning. It's fucking confusing as well. Not to mention like they're not from India. Right. <laughs> They're fucking from, right. you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, I, I was like, good riddance. You know, it's, it's time to get rid of that goddamn word. I, I don't know. Like, Not only that, not only that, not even just saying Indian, because actually JR refers to himself as yeah. Indian, but um, it's kind of like that's for him to call himself sure. that, but nobody else. But also it's um, the, if you look at the 
the mascot of the Cleveland Indians and you see that it's how that mascot looks. Oh, the smiling with the big teeth and and the big nose. Yeah. That's like if you, if they were called the Hebrews or the Jews and you just had like a Jew with a big nose, like it just, you wouldn't allow it. Right, right. Or it's like they're, I'm just trying to come up with other types of things where people could get it. There's even cartoons where like the, the, how the natives looks, you, how, how, like how those natives look, but they're like blown out into a caricature. Yeah. And, and so when people are like, oh, give me a break, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess yeah. what? There were 12, sorry, there were 11, like 12 year olds that committed suicide on the reservation the year uh, before the um, the pipeline started, like like not before, but like that year, unrelated to the pipeline. Yeah, they they all killed them, and that's and so the the suicide rate is really high, and so there's there's been studies, and so mascots and like when you limit how you're seen as a particular ethnicity, it does a lot of damage to your self-esteem. Right. So it might not, it might not be a big deal to anybody else. Oh, give it a, you know, it's from a long time ago. Who cares? Well, actually there's a real child that's not even necessarily, there's a lot of native Americans that you don't even realize because they don't live on the reservation. They live off res. The people that are still on the reservation are people that are there helping and people that are there dying in in poverty and in real like look at what just happened with covid with the Diné, the navajo in um how bad they were and and also the sioux like i mean when we were just there helping his mom she had covid it it was like every day he was losing a cousin oh my goodness i mean every day we're getting calls somebody else died yeah he must have been 10 10 cousins just in that one visit to see his mom at the hospital Wow. She had just recovered from COVID and we had to get her into a, um, a, re- a recovery house. So she didn't have to go back to like a situation where she'd get sick again. Sure. Sure. And, um, and so, but if you look at the Navajo reservation, they don't have any, they don't have any re- running water. Oh my goodness. Like, can, we're, we're in America. Yeah. And there, there are thousands of people living on the reservations that don't have running water. Yikes. So when I hear, other people talking about their oppression and all this shit. It's like, yo, <laughs> you might not have white privilege, but you have American privilege. Have you visited a reservation lately? Right. Unbelievable. Uh, but uh, so what, how does uh, JR feel about, uh, I don't know if you, you, there's a book that came out, I guess, last year, I want to, I want to say, and, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this book. Joe Rogan was, um, talking about it on his podcast. It was empire of the summer moon. And it was all about the Comanche. I like, I listened to it, man. It was fucking gnarly. I mean, holy shit. That was gnarly. Cause it's like about the Comanche tribes and like the, yeah. the, how like they were warriors and yeah. Or what, what about them? Just like that, the ruthless warriors that they were. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, Oh, that's, that's another thing that I wanted to say is that yes, there's a pride in, uh, in native American culture about being warriors, but there's also a stereotype about them being warriors when in reality, if you look at the Sioux, they're a family-oriented culture. Yeah, the whole book goes on, or audio book, because I was I was driving driving back from Tahoe. But like, it, it highlights like all the different tribes, uh, mostly in the Texas region, and um, it it went off on on the Comanche, and it was it was a hard listen. It was like scalping, rape, scalping, rape, murder, like. Um, a lot of, you know, horse theft and then this, and then it was like nonstop. Oh yeah. But also, but also, I don't know if there's, um, a part in that book where they actually told the truth about this, but, um, natives did not invent scalping that did not come from natives. They, they got it from the like Indian removal. Like they basically the Indian removal act or before then even, Especially then, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Andrew Jackson who said, um, it's $5 a head. So you don't want to bring back a whole head for the $5 Uh of an Indian. You scalp it so that you can prove that you killed it, but you didn't have to bring the whole body or the whole head. 
So once um, natives knew that that was what was being done to their people, they started doing it back. But doing it back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was a definitely a hard listen. It was like, man, the white people fucked over the Native Americans, except the Comanche. Those fuckers fucked them. <laughs> well, that that is actually like That's, kind of a linchpin because if they weren't like that, there were other tribe. There's other yeah. tribes that were friendly to the white man. Sure, sure. Air quotes. Who were who were like, yeah, these guys are a problem for us too. We'll help you. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like anything, like even Jewish people in the Holocaust, there were fucking Jewish people who were helping Nazis kill more Jews. Right, right. Yeah. And then in France and Germany. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you also about um, you were a Bernie bro like me. Yeah. And you turned to a Biden backer, which uh, I applauded. I applauded when I saw the news and, uh, well, hold on. I wanted to ask you, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's better than what we had there before, before was, was pretty tragic, but I want to hear your opinion and I want to hear your grades on how the current administration, current government is doing. <laughs> What's the grade? Yeah. Um, well, let me just start by saying I don't hundred percent and I never did really back Biden. It was more like, um, you know, once, once I, I felt backed into a corner, like, okay, this is, I am going to vote for the greater good. Ah. And, um, but I also, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to be a hundred percent authentic with you. Okay. I, for the first time in my voting history, um, did not vote. Oh, in the, I, I voted in the primary for Bernie. Oh, good. And then yeah. once he was out of the race in California, I'm not in a swing state. Sure. And I, I saw that from my perspective, I saw that the coup that happened actually already happened against Bernie. And I saw that how the establishment worked. And I, hmm. I, I actually didn't feel like anybody needed my vote. And I didn't, and I had been in a bit of a, car accident, which is why I'd been uh, taking acupuncture earlier. And, um, right, yeah. and, um, I, I couldn't drag myself to vote for Biden. I couldn't even drag myself to do it. Um, okay. but I think I, I posted some things in support of Kamala because, um, even though she's not perfect, it is groundbreaking. Sure especially as a woman of color. And I did vote for her before when she became a Senator in California. And so I was like, I, I support that, but it's also identity politics. And I also was like, I don't vote with my vagina. So I also (laughs) just didn't, I didn't vote. I I promise you, I didn't, I voted for Bernie and then I couldn't vote for, for Biden. I couldn't vote for Trump. I never would vote for Trump, but I think, um, because I, my perspective is wild. Like I grew up very staunch liberal, but the lib, the staunch liberal that my grandmother was is not the same liberal that's today. Like it, I don't like these liberals. Okay. I don't think they get it. I think it's, it's not the same party. And so I found my home as a progressive. And if you look, where's Elizabeth Warren? Yeah. Look at Bernie. Look at Bernie. He's still going strong. Like to me, he is the shadow president. Well, Elizabeth is still I I follow her on social media. She's she's still she's still fighting. I mean, they're fighting for the cancellation of student loans, which, you know, was floated by Biden as something he would do. Uh, Still hasn't, um, you know, and and they're lobbying for 50,000. He's saying maybe 10. I don't know. so me personally, I would, I'd give him a B minus. Uh, I, I can't give him an A, uh, because of that. I, th- I think that I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give him a D minus because <laughs> I can't give him an F, right. but sending bombs, dropping bombs on Syria when you're 30 days into your presidency before you've sent out checks. I still don't have my check. Oh no, I got mine. I got my, it, I mine did- would be lower if I didn't get, if I didn't get my stimmy, my gosh. Yeah. No stimmy. Yeah. And you're already dropping bombs. When I, when I said, you guys, um, as much as you think that Trump was going to start world war three, um, he didn't. Yeah. Right. The, the, it was, he just killed that 
Iranian commander or something. And, uh, luckily it didn't escalate from there, but, uh, yeah. But we're okay. So I don't, I can't pretend portend to say like, I know exactly what is going on or why Biden needed to do that, but he needed to get congressional approval and he didn't. Right. And so therefore, um, I, 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 he's dead to me. (laughs) I mean, not he's dead to me. Um, he's exactly who I thought he was. He's exactly why I was trying to warn people. And, but you know, what I kind of see is, is that the democratic party is, is a team like Biden can't do any of this on his own. Like everyone is everyone. I've never seen such a team in my life. Like they're a team, even Bernie like sucked it up and was like, I, for the greater good, which is also why I still fucking love this guy. You know, like he, he will suck it up to be a team player and he's doing a lot of good. So yeah. Is the party doing better with him as a progressive and all these progressives that have been getting, you know, voted into office and, and especially like Deb Holland, who's the first native American woman to be, she's the interior of the blah, blah, blah. blah. That's going to help. Mm-hmm. That's going to help a lot. Like, oh yeah. I saw that. Right. Yeah. That's going to help a lot. So, um, to me, that's another thing like feminism, like in, um, that doesn't, it's, there never needs to be feminism, like in native culture. Like they already, they don't live like how it is for white people like it's not or for like just like regular americans like they've always had equality in their tribes right you know like you we would we're more likely to have the first native american woman president first than a native american man as president like the the women are leaders you know who's on the front line at standing rock all women awesome they're the ones who led the charge all women so D minus from you, uh, <laughs> B minus for me. I got the stimmy. So yeah, you're right. Like if I didn't get that, I'd probably be a lot more upset. I am pretty happy that I got it. I bought a dog. Uh, I pick him up in April. And so he's, uh, he's the people's dog. He's taxpayer funded. So Aww, the people's yeah, dog, the people's dog. I, I don't know his, what his name's going to be. Maybe I'll name him Bernie. I don't know. Oh, um, Bernie, the dog. That's a good <laughs> Bernie, name. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, so there's another one, uh, that came up recently. It's, it's the news that Gavin re I'm sorry, <laughs> that Gavin Newsom is being recalled. Gavin recall, <laughs> Gavin recall, <laughs> Gavin recall. Um, so obviously this is something that, um, I'm for Gavin recall, Gavin Adderall spewing nonstop without a pause talking like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to be recalled. Okay, because first of all, we have forty thousand homeless people in Los Angeles, and they have made eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tiny homes. Forty thousand homeless people, eight tiny homes. There, there is more. The the problem is there's they. Okay, so Garcetti, which I don't like, or whatever. We we did pass a uh, sales tax. Uh, I think two years ago and they did build some stuff. They can, they should be building more, but they, there is some red tape that needs to be resolved. Uh, I, I don't have the exact details in front of me. I wish I would, I wish I was well, armed just, <laughs> with this information. It's, it's a real estate in Los Angeles. Yeah. Nobody's willing to come down on their price for any, pro- all real estate here. Like we have a big problem because other states are sending their homeless people here. Yeah. Other states literally buy them a bus ticket. Yeah. yeah, And they send them here. So we have 40,000 people that are not just from California. And I wish more people knew that, which is why I'm saying it because they're not all from here. They're coming here. Oh no. They're from like Ohio. They're from all kinds of, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a pass on this. I'm not going to vote for him on the recall, even though, you know, homelessness is out of control. And, um, I don't agree with him with all of his shutdowns. You like him, don't you? you I, like I, him. I do like Gavin, but I don't agree with all, like everything he's done. I, I thought that there were ways that you could, you know, mitigate it. You, there, there was ways that you can you know, reduce crowds and things like that in, in certain times in this. And I understand like when there was huge spikes and you're into the whatever color coded thing they were doing, that those were times to shut things down. But 
overall, I mean, I mean, I say this kind of selfishly because I'm a Chargers fan. I'm a, I'm a football fan. I love to go to places like Disneyland and obviously comedy shows and, and fucking uh, music venues and things like that. So I, I'm a little, I'm a little biased in that regard, but uh, you know, I, I, it's still not enough. Even the French laundry incident where he goes and, and eats inside of a restaurant or whatever, it's still not enough to push me to uh, vote for the recall. Um, but the homelessness thing, it's really interesting because re- even before all this like coronavirus shit happened, uh, 2019, I had a cousin. Well, I'm sorry, not a cousin. My cousin's kid. What is that? Second cousin? A second cousin, right? Actually, I just heard that you ca- you call them your nephews, even though they're, they're your, your cousin, that it's proper to call your cousin's kids your okay, niece. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my niece. Yeah, you're right. There it is. So my niece came from Argentina and... Uh, she came with her boyfriend and, uh, they wanted, they, they did like a little tour. So they did like New York and they did, um, I want to say San Francisco, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and then they came down here to LA. Uh-huh. And so I, I was tasked to kind of like show them around and, and, you know, they went to like places that I didn't really want to go. Uh, like, like they wanted to walk around Hollywood and stuff like that. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I'll drop you off and like, you know what I'm saying? Like you guys can go do that. Just give me a call, pick you up. No problem. Or if you want to grab an Uber or whatever, you know, like things like, like real touristy things like that. But, uh, on one of the n- nights I, I said, you know, uh, downtown LA is really kind of like revitalized itself, you know, pre pandemic. It was awesome. I was living down yeah, there pre pandemic and I, I had to move out because it was turned into a zombie apocalypse. Yes. Yes. This is exactly, this is actually what, what I recommend. I said, listen, come with me. I'll take you out. We're going to hit a bunch of great bars, rooftop bars, whatever. I'm going to show you a bunch of places. And one of the places I, or I took him to was called Clifton. And, and it's this like Clifton's cafeteria. You, are you familiar? Mm-hmm. It's like, I have heard of it. Yeah. It's like, quiche, or, uh, it's all redone. It was like, it was kind of like, um, almost like, a, I don't know, like a Disneyland or something. It was very quiche. And there was all these like animatronics and shit inside of it. And like, uh, basically each level has a bar with a different theme. Oh Yeah. I heard of that place. I really wanted to go there. Yeah. Like I had been, you know, recommended that because I was living downtown, but I didn't get the chance. But yeah, hopefully when that re- when it's all like, well, I guess it is kind of reopening. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth to go and, and experience all the levels. So they enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Got some nice drinks. When we walked out, though, there was a homeless guy, an African-American guy, and he was probably, I don't know, I want to say 50 something. I had somewhere around there and like, you know, he's the guy's like half naked. His, his half of his hair is like gone on his head. Looks like he just got out of like, just jumped out of a car fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they just, he's probably 40, but he lives such a hard street life. Yeah. You know, he looks 53. Yeah. And he's like mumbling shit. And he's, he's like staring at us and mumbling shit. And there, and my niece just stops and she's like, Whoa. And the guy's completely filthy. And we're like, Holy yep. fuck. My niece is like freaking out. She's like, what, what's going on? What, what's wrong with this man? Aww. And I'm like, Oh, uh, in Los Angeles, we have a problem with homeless people for whatever reason, uh, you know, end up on the streets and they end up sleeping on the streets. And they were like, wow, that's crazy. How the fuck does that happen? Cause you explained to me that in Argentina, as fucked up as it is, yeah. it's socialism. Right. And I'm like, right. And I'm like, what? And so she's like, yeah, we don't have any fucking homeless people. They're like, there's yeah. not a single person living on the street. Everyone has a house. Yeah, I mean, there's poor people. If you study something, you know, like, or whatever, you don't go to school or whatever, you just like, you know, you know, sell like some rotisserie chicken on the side of the thing. You're probably not going to make as much money as a dude who has a doctor's degree or something. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everyone's happy. Everyone's, you know, just drinking. Doesn't matter. Like, they still have, they have a place to fucking live. They probably have that, a fucking that's, car. That's, a, that's the exact thing. Like, where everybody thinks that socialism is so bad and it's going to lead to what happened in Venezuela and, and Russians that I know who are like, no, 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 you you don't understand how bad it could be. It's art. They, they think it's already happening. Like, it's just this corruptness. And I'm like, it's not social. The socialism, the people, if you talk to some people, not every Everybody, but the people who are in or from Venezuela are like, you know what? Socialism was the best part of our country. It's that wasn't the problem. The problem was corruption and the dictatorship <laughs> if, if the dictator. Yeah. If you have a system like that and it's being abused, of course, the people are going to suffer and it's not going to work. But if you live in a country where you can 
vote on where your taxes go. And that's all Bernie was saying. You, you already have to pay taxes, but you have no vote. We go to wars you don't vote for. We do all kinds of things with your money that right. our government does all kinds of things with your money that you didn't sign on for. Yeah. So how about a, how about a system in which you could go as a group? We don't want to spend money on this. It's a consensus. OK, we're going to stop putting money into that. What would be a better use of our funds? Yeah, we're actually in society paying more for your Walmart workers because you're not paying them a living wage and our tax dollars go to pay for their food stamps and other government subsidies that oh, they the are- workers. Right. We're paying for yes. their work. Yeah, that's right. Oh, geez. Yeah, it, it's it's fucking terrible. I uh, the uh, Echo Park issue. I don't know if it was really recent. I don't know if you were able to familiar with yes, this news. Yes, 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 uh, yes. So yeah, so clean up the park. Right, clean it up. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> a bunch of homeless people. For those that don't know, uh, okay. So Echo Park was was a nice park. Then it became kind of like gang infested, and then you know gentrification came, and then they decided to clean it up, and it became like this like Instagram you know destination, and people are like taking pictures of themselves on these fucking flotation. The swans, the swans, swans, right. Some swans and shit. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, hundreds of homeless people just pour in there and, you know, nobody's Instagramming anymore. So, (laughs) you know, so like they decided the city decided to crack down, you know, Garcetti and all these people, they're like, okay, fine. We're going to offer these people, you know, a a place to, to live. We're going to, we're going to house you. Okay. But there are some rules to the housing. There's probably like some sort of curfew or drug thing or something. Eight o'clock. The curfew is eight o'clock. Yeah. And so a lot of these people declined housing, free fucking publicly funded housing and decided to stay. And so, you know, everyone came in and then there was protesters by these fucking idiots. I don't know who these people were, but they were protesting the removal of this stuff. They were offered fucking housing. It's like, dude. Give me yeah, a fucking listen, break. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm a protester. I, I went all the way to South Dakota to, to do it. Okay. I'm going to pro I'm going to protest what yeah. I think is worth protesting. Like if you're offering people a place to stay, you've completely taken over this, uh, the only park in that area for kids to go play. And it's become completely a hundred percent maximum occupancy then the city has to do something. So the the pe- the residents want to the, the people want to say, oh, the city's not doing anything. Then they try to do something, and it's let's protest the city. No, people, you're you need to stop your professional protesting and <laughs> professional protesters. Yeah, I know they, they don't even know what they're doing. They have nothing better to do. Like get off That's unemployment crazy. and get a job because yeah. the world has opened up. There's better things to protest. Yeah, the city is trying to help those people get a legit place to live. And you know what? I can understand that you don't want a curfew, but you put yourself in this position is in some way, form or another, you're in this position. Right. Right. It wasn't a hundred percent, you know, society did this to me. (laughs) I'm not saying it's your fault, but yeah, it's, I believe in personal responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. Definitely to some degree. I mean, maybe not 100%. Some things are out of your control. I understand that, but like there's definitely personal responsibility here. And, and that was, that was something that just completely pissed me off when I saw that people were just refusing to leave and they're like, no, we're just going to live, live out here. (laughs) It's like, no, we're going to have, we're going to have something worse than COVID unless drastic measures are taken. I mean, there's a ex-police officer who dedicates, he, he's, I forget his name right now. I'm sorry. I forgot your name, sir, but he's a hero. He has been helping the homeless for years and years and years since his retirement and even before his retirement, but he got a flesh eating disease and he lost his leg helping the homeless and he's still helping the homeless. That's awesome. Oh, he, yeah, it was uh goddamn. What was that? He got, um, not dengue, not dengue fever. It was like, uh, goddamn. And, and now it slipped my mind, but yeah, it's something he stepped on something. And, uh, We're, like basically our COVID vaccines are not going to help whatever we get from this out of control problem. I mean, I moved out of downtown for it. I came back to Hollywood 
and it was just as bad on Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, there, just just until about two weeks ago, there was a huge construction underneath where, like this, you know, on La Brea, where the star, the ladies are, yeah. with the hold, hold up the stars. Sure. And then right there, I mean, and I'm not just like criticizing them. I, I during the pandemic, I was bringing them food. I'm like, I'm I have a heart, and I care about the homeless a lot. And but it, the city has to do something. It's like you can't just make this uninhabitable yeah. for all the residents who who live here. I mean, I was woken up every day by scream like a screaming madman, homeless guy that's like lives in that encampment right there. Yeah, no, so, I I voted for I, I think it was Prop HHH. I don't know what it was, but it's that sales tax hike. I was like, dude, let's do it. It now's the time. And that was like a couple of years ago when it was half the population of of what it is today. But uh, I want to talk to you also about, because I have another group text, some funny uh, creative people, and uh, we were trying to figure out like why, you know, mask wearing was like people in LA kind of seem to abide by the rules uh, and, and wear their masks. Where in other people, it's like a giant thing. And people are like, well, I'm not going to wear a goddamn mask. And, you know, it's like, and and the theories, we were all writing all these like theories of like, why is it, you know, some of them were like, like, well, it's because uh, we're all a bunch of communists. We do what, you know, Gavin Newsom wants us to do or whatever. But, but I thought the funniest one that came out of it was that there's so many out of work actors in LA that it was like, they were practicing prepping for a job and they're like, all right, we're, it's 2020 Trump is president and, uh, I got to survive this pandemic and I got this prop. It's, uh, it's a mask and I'm going to need it to when I enter uh, Trader Joe's to get my cereal. <laughs> And that's how I'm going to stay alive. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think that's, that was probably the funniest one. What, what do you, th what, what do you think, uh, why do you think Angelinos are more apt to uh, put that mask on than other places? Be well, okay. So we have the Angelinos and then we have the orange curtain. We have the OC <laughs> and in, in one day you could have, um, I'd be wearing my mask in Los Angeles and then, um, because JR works and lives in Anaheim right now, he, uh, we go and he's like, we used to live in Huntington beach together for a couple of years and, uh, HB, <laughs> HB. And so it was like, look, I, you know, I was living downtown at the time and I was like, we, I got to go somewhere else because I can't, we, we were only, we were in such a severe lockdown. You could only walk in your own neighborhood. Well, to the left of me is Skid Row. I can't go take a, walk down there without, like, sure. you know, just to, it's frightening and it's not, it's just dangerous. And so he was typhoid. We kinda, I think, I think that yeah, typhoid, it was yep, a typhoid Ty that he got. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yep. It, came, yep. it just typhoid. came to me. Uh, that's so, how it yeah. All right. So anyway, so, you yeah. can't walk so, in Skid Row because of typhoid. I, <laughs> I can't get typhoid. So we would go to the OC, we'd go to Huntington beach and it was like, Oh my God, I'm the only one in a mask. These people are not abiding by any of this. So really it showed me pretty crystal clear that it, it, it's an issue that became politicized. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, totally. And people, people who politicized it, they ran with their, they ran with their narrative and their narrative wasn't even what even Fauci said. And I'm not a fan of Fauci, but like he was saying, they're like, oh, he said it this. And then he said, no, he said, yes, he said, no. And, and really what the thing was, is like, stop showing us these clips. What he's saying is that you're wearing the mask for, uh, other people, right? You're not, you're not wearing it. Like it's to slow the spread and you're not wearing it. You're it's just so that when you say it and spray it, you're not just getting your droplets all over random people. And that helps yeah. he's saying it helps it's not the cure but when you politicize it and you turn it into you know they're these muslims are trying to take over our country it's all and about control <laughs> it's all about controlling and look they look at you with that muzzle and, i mean wow like that wow how how we could be so all of us on so many yeah. different pages at once shows you how we lost so many people during this pandemic yeah, we're uh, we're definitely divided here. <laughs> Although kudos to Matthew McConaughey doing uh, what he was doing in Texas. He was he was out there uh, telling people like, hey, you know, this isn't this isn't a political thing. And um, kudos kudos to that guy. So now I'm going to ask you something super controversial. 
And uh, I want you to think about what you're going to say because uh, the Twitter trolls will probably pounce if you. <laughs> if I answer wrong. <laughs> if you answer wrong. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Best tacos in LA. The best tacos in LA are street tacos, and they are in East Los. East Los, yeah. nice, nice. They're authentic street tacos. They're where the people go to get them. Um, probably any taco. If you if you see a street taco and there's a line, yes, that's where you want to go. Okay. Okay. I'll, um, I'll, I'll look it up. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm on the prowl. Uh, I, I got some recommendations. There was one called tire shop tacos in the downtown area. Mm-hmm. It, and it's basically a stand. They take over, uh, the parking lot of a tire shop after it closes. And I heard that was really good. And then, uh, my favorite but, current fave tacos, yeah. 1986. It's now a chain and Ooh. it's, it's Tijuana style tacos and it's fucking good. It's amazing. What else? Um, Tito's tacos, if you want like a really good, just crunchy taco. Ah, uh, yeah, the one in Culver City. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Okay. Personally. Okay, just I'm just saying there's different types of tacos. Like yeah, if yeah. you if, like I'm not a soft taco type of person. I I like a Tito's taco. Oh, you want the crunch. Gotcha. I like the crunch, but also what's his name? Um, that has a chain of his gourmet tacos. Um, he's a indigenous actor. I can't remember his name right now oh um, uh dan what is his name yeah, trejo. Trejo, trejo danny trejo Tre- yeah yeah for like an upper you know a little pricier gourmet taco you have to try trejo's tacos because he's got so many different kinds like you could get a vegan one with these like asada mushrooms with a asada oh. type sauce that's killer or like um blackened salmon type like but if you want like a really good street taco you got to go to east los east los oh god i will definitely um so have you gotten vaccinated yet no i haven't gotten vaccinated yet um i don't even think i think uh we're not even up for it like it's like the the last notice i got was like 50 year olds can start getting them oh okay um i know that there's a way you can get them Anybody can like you can try any pharmacy at the end of the day and say, hey, do you have any left? Because it's the end of the day and you might get lucky. That's how there's a little bit of a loophole to get to get it to get one now. But leftovers, but but they're not leftovers. They're just going to get thrown out if you don't get one. Sure, sure. So but yeah, leftovers from like the group that's qualified. Like yeah. the 65. But I was saying like in Hollywood, they should lower the age because they don't have any very many 65 year olds here. Like you basically get shipped out. Right. To Silver Lake. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you, you that's know, a like, huge gripe of mine. I, I think uh, uh, Newsom kind of dropped the ball on this. Um, I like the guy, but, you know, th- this wasn't a, this wasn't a great rollout, I thought, because uh in the first couple of months, I felt like, okay, yeah, you give it to, to the seniors, you give it to the healthcare workers, great. But, you know, come March, open it up to everybody. You know what I'm saying? And uh, right. I was fortunate to get mine this week. Um, I got the Pfizer and it, right. it was a... Um, yeah, how was it? You sound good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I got, I got, I was a sore, you know, for like 24 hours. I did have some fatigue, but... You know, I, I survived. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's no big deal. So well, you're a Virgo, right? Yep. I, okay, Virgo. <laughs> it is now that time to read our guest horoscope in an overly <laughs> dramatic Adulting is overrated. This phase of your life sees you getting serious about being playful. It's all about awakening that lost sense of adventure in the Virgo HQ. So, unlearn the rules of the Matrix and boldly color outside the lines. If it awakens a sense of joy within you, it means you're on the right track. But... That doesn't mean you're not getting shit done around here. (laughs) 
You're more productive than you've been in years, and that's because you no longer feel the need to play tug of war with the universe. And here's your cosmic tip of the day, Virgo. <laughs> Unlearn the rules of the Matrix. And that was Dinah <laughs> Leopard's horoscope. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Where are you getting this horoscope from, by the way? <laughs> this is Vogue. Did you write it? No, no. This is Vogue, Vogue nice. baby. Vogue. Um, so uh, what, what are you uh, working on now? Uh, what, what do you got going on? Well, I'm in a recurring role as Detective James, and, and it's in a web series called Crazy Bees, uh, a.k.a. Crazy Bitches. And we've gotten thrown off some platforms for just for the name, Crazy Bitches. So now it's like Crazy Bees. Oh keep us on the platform, but we just got, we launched on a platform that, um, excuse me, that, that Fox owns. Ah. And so if we, if we do well, like there's some buzz going on right now, if it does well, you know, something that could get picked up and developed into a TV series, but cause they're, they're like little, you know, 15 minutes things right now, like web web series, but it's, it's shot really well. It's done really well. Um, you know, it looks like a TV series. So this uh, detective is just like a rookie detective, my character, and she's coming in uh, to like basically solve some murders, but like the bodies keep piling up and she's a rookie. And so she's just kind of finds herself in this um, ridiculous uh, situation. Like that's over, over her head. So it's just really, yeah. it's really fun. And, um, my, they really liked my character. So they're writing more, they're writing me in as like a main character right now. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, oh, cool. yeah. So, um, just keeping detective James going on the crazy bees as long as we can. And we're, um, we'll shoot some stuff. And then I've been working on a documentary for the last 10 years. It'll be 10 years <laughs> coming up. Um, oh. and so I'm kind of like, uh, 98% finished. There's like a, a little 2% completion that I need to do. And it's, it's a youth soccer documentary. And one of the, one of our players from the youth team actually is like a one percenter in the country and became pro. So his oh. story is still unfolding. He's actually just flown to Bosnia with, uh, the Houston dynamos and he's on loan from his Costa Rican team. He's a double citizen, dual, 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 dual citizen. Is that how you say it? Yeah. So yeah. he plays for the premier league of Costa Rica and the national team. And now for Houston Dynamo. So I'm still following this kid because I've been filming him since 14. He was 14. Oh, wow. Um, his name's Ar Ariel Lassiter and his dad was, uh, Roy is Roy Lassiter. And he was, uh, an MLS, um, in the first year of the major league soccer, our major league soccer, um, I can't talk, uh, the MLS, <laughs> you know what I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. so he, he still holds a record for, um, his like most goals in a season or something like that. So anyway, that he basically groomed his kid to be where he's at now, just like killing it. And, uh, and so I'm hoping to complete the documentary and, um, that is just a little bit of, small finishing costs that I'm trying to raise for it and oh, cool. get it out for, you know, the youth that don't have anything to watch in youth soccer. Cause it's not really considered an American sport, you know, but it's becoming one. So it's kind of a grassroots yeah. documentary documentary to be about this time of soccer becoming more like the tipping point of soft soccer in America. And, um, so that's a big project that I've been working on. And then I'm just trying to get back on stage as a comedian. Like, where's the, where's the next show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, that stuff's opening up. You don't have to do this fucking zoom and drive through fucking shit, you know, anymore. Yeah, Cause that it's, of it. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's coming up, man. Soon. Everybody's got to get vaxxed though. You got to get on it. Um, I have appreciation for soccer. I, we, you know, my mom's Argentinian. I used to go down there a lot and, uh, that's all they watch. That's the only fucking sport they watch, I should say. Yep. And so when, uh, when I saw that there were some soccer teams here in Los Angeles, I, I, I decided to throw, uh, my hat in the ring and, and, uh, 
and start following the LAFC. Are, are you fans of, of any of the uh, LA local teams, the MLS teams? Um, well, I have Landon Donovan in my documentary and he at the time 10 years ago was still playing for the LA galaxy. And so I've been to uh, LA galaxy where they won the, they've won like five of them, but I've been to three of the, of the last game, like where the championship games, Oh nice. So I've been, but I've been to a lot of galaxy games. Um, and then uh, I haven't been to the new club yet. And Great soccer stadium. I mean, I mean, I like the one in Carson because the Chargers were playing there. Nice little little stadium there down in Carson. But uh, that's only I'm, where I've been to Carson. To Carson, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the but the new LAFC stadium uh, is is pretty nice. A, a buddy of mine has season tickets and took me along, and and uh, I'm I'm kind of hooked. Oh, and obviously, good, obviously, good. we can't go. We can't. We haven't been there since last March but or you know whatnot. What? If but people are li- <laughs> if, if, if it's opened up and people are listening to this now, like I would just highly recommend just go it's good clean fun it's electric it's really fun like you just it is fun yeah it is it's, fun. it's like one of the only things that really could like bring community not the only but like comedy but like you know where you just are with a community and it's like a big fun thing that's a yeah family yeah. thing you could do so go as go back to the movies when they open the theaters need you go to soccer games they need you any of these like if you're stuck like i am like an agoraphobic in here you got to force yourself out like people need us to participate yeah yeah exactly but yeah well dinah you have been awesome on the ramble i feel like we got a really good ramble going on there we really rambled we we really rambled like thank you for letting (laughs) me ramble (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You were awesome. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, where are you at on social media so, so people can uh, give you a follow? At Dinah Leffert, D-I-N-A-H-L-E-F-F-E-R-T. On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of them is all at Dinah Leffert. Oh, nice. You're consistent. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> Some guy in like South Africa, he's like a, a allergist. When you have allergies, a doctor for aller- allergies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. A retired allergist has all my fucking social media handles. So I had to make, I had to make, uh, wow, <laughs> all kinds of what? different ones. Yeah. And he's, and he's, I messaged him like, Hey, you know, you're not even, you haven't tweeted in fucking two years. Are you, uh, can I pay you 50 bucks for this or something? And he, and <laughs> he just fucking ghosted me. What a bitch. Anyway. So, uh, wow. that about wraps it up for the ramble. Thank you so much. <laughs> for coming or calling me up. We're still in a pandemic, so this is over the phone. And uh, I want you to have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And uh, thanks again. Thank you too, Mervin. Cole, you're awesome for having me. All right, cool. Take care. That was not to be confused with the allergist. (laughs) I know, my God. And that was uh, Dinah Laffert on The Ramble. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit that subscribe, follow, or share, or like, whatever the heck button is available to press.